0: This
1: is the show with Cannon Brown.
0: I go home and have, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever with some of my family members who don't necessarily understand what's going on in the industry. And I would consider them an average consumer. And they're asking me questions about genetically modified organisms or, you know, this or that, whatever they see on social media. And they're asking me for clarification. Most of your average consumers, they just genuinely don't know but they want to know, and that's where we need to be taking you know, initiative and taking advantage of that to the point where we're willing to promote everything that we're doing in a positive light, because if we're not telling our story, someone else will, and they're probably going to tell it wrong.
1: That last few minutes might have been a little confusing. You'd like to know who I was talking to, wouldn't you? Hello, hello, hello. Happy October 24th, everyone. You're tuned into the show with Cannon Brown, and it's me, Cannon Brown, so howdy doodly. Uh, we've we've got se- <laughs> doodly. Uh, we've got seven days till Halloween guys how crazy is that I mean ne- next Thursday when my future episode is released it's going to be Halloween and you're either going to be going out for candy or you're going out for an alcoholic beverage that's just how it's going to go I mean and there's two different sides or if you're uh, in the older crowd you're going to be walking around with your kid grabbing candy while you're enjoying an adult beverage at least that's how uh, my mom did it but she's great yeah obviously i mean that's how you do it there's that's the only way to get past halloween uh i think it's just an excuse for everybody to eat a lot of candy and uh be a little wild and that's okay We, we all have like 10 or so days in the year on a holiday where you're just like yeah just just gonna get a little loose whatever um Anyway, Halloween is, is going to be pretty fun. Uh, me and my buddy are going as dads. Uh, me and Josh Berry, he's going to fly down here and we're going to uh, hang out and we're going to a little get together and we're going to rock some stashes, some jean shorts, some polos, uh, maybe some white New Balances. We'll see. Got to hit the thrift store later. Uh, see what outfit outfit I can pick out uh, for cheap. Obviously, I, I, I'm not going to go out and buy all this stuff brand new. I'm, I'm definitely going to be hitting thrift stores. I love thrift stores. I love Goodwill. Judge me if you want, but uh, I don't care. Hey guys, I've got a great interview for you today. Uh, it's with Miss Adrian Austin. If you don't know Adrienne, um, she judges at Kansas State right now uh, for Chris Mullinex. She ju- she's judged collegiately at Lincoln Land uh, in junior college. Her family has a long-standing history uh, of just going above and beyond in NJSA and youth organizations for putting on, from putting on contests to just helping people in the barn, they're an incredible family. Her brother Kane is awesome, uh, and I knew him from when we were on the uh, NJSA Junior Board together. So she's got a lot to talk about, and I've got a lot to talk about. We just were bouncing stuff off of each other the whole time. Honestly, this is one of my favorite interviews, guys, and I hope you guys. kind of like one of these newer perspectives uh, in the industry. And I like to throw in these uh, younger people. I know some of the older guys are like, let's listen to some guys that have been in the industry for 30 to 40 years. But I think these younger people uh, have so much to say and have uh, just a good perspective on the industry right now. So that's why I'm throwing these in here. So I hope you like it. I hope you like Adrienne. Uh, She's awesome. Follow her on on all our Instagrams and, and Twitters and Snapchats. Uh, I th- I'll just I'll put it in the closing uh, remarks. I'll put her at so you can follow her there. But I don't think we talked about it in the interview. Should have should asked her what her Snapchat was. Maybe it was a funny story. Dang it, missed out on that opportunity. All right, well, that's enough of me talking. Let's do it. Oh, just kidding. I, <laughs> I always forget to uh, tell you guys to like and subscribe and share and stuff like that. All right. Let's do it. Miss Adrienne Austin. You're safer here than any place else. Now just lock yourself in and keep quiet.
0: Hey, how's it going?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: Good. How's your day?
1: Oh, I just got off work. Um, now I'm not doing too much. <laughs> got to finish up you? some homework and, and that, that's about it.
0: Yeah. Where are you working?
1: I work at a uh, uh, Arizona, like a local Arizona grocery store. I'm a butcher.
0: Oh, interesting! Yeah. So
1: I just cut meat all day.
0: <laughs> Fun times.
1: What'd you do today?
0: Oh, not a whole lot. Went to class and then just finished up with reasons practice for livestock judging here. We're getting ready for the American Royal at the end of the week. We judge on Friday there in Kansas City.
1: How stoked are you guys for that?
0: <laughs> we're pretty pumped. We just got back uh, from the Stockman Contest in Indiana this past weekend, and that went okay. So I think we're getting excited. Everything's kind of clicking. Things are coming together. But
1: That's awesome. Yeah, th- it's, it comes down to kind of crunch time now.
0: Yeah, we've got like a month left, I think, of our judging careers. Oh, so gosh. A little, bit, a little crazy. doesn't seem real, but it's coming down to the wire, yeah.
1: How do you feel about that, that you're almost... Done collegiate livestock judging.
0: It is hard to put into words for sure. Almost indescribable, kind of bittersweet feeling. Because yeah. I've probably been I've been judging since I was probably about seven. Uh my dad was my four H livestock judging coach and got both my older brother and me started at a really young age and then now, I mean, it's pretty much dominated my collegiate career in terms of that's where the majority of my time is spent, so it doesn't really seem like it's possible. I'm sure once it's over, it'll be kind of a nice relief to have some more free time, but I probably won't know what to do with myself for the first couple weeks. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm thinking you're not going to be able to know what to do. You're going you're yeah. to think this is way too much time on my hands. I should be doing something because yeah. it's taken so much of your time already.
0: I completely agree. It's definitely going to be weird, a change up for sure. But I guess everyone, you know, what's that Dan Hogue quote, you're never done, your roles just change. Exactly. So.
1: exactly. And that's what I was just going to say. I mean, you're, you're not done judging. Uh, and, yeah. and that's the good part about it. Uh,
0: yeah, I mean, I hope not. Hopefully, I'll still get to do a little bit of judging here and there or help out with some teams somewhere, maybe coach a little bit. So Yeah,
1: I'm sure you'll I'm sure you'll have the opportunity. You've you've kind of been uh, kicking some butt in uh, junior college and senior college, so I'm sure people have seen it.
0: <laughs> Something like that.
1: <laughs> well, and I, that leads us to a a kind of good intro here cuz I wanted to talk about your family background, uh, and you said you've been judging since you were 7. So it's it's kind of been a rich history of of showing livestock and judging livestock in your family, kind of give me a brief rundown of, of what your family does or did to get into the industry.
0: Well, I would definitely say we're not a farm family in terms of having crops back home or a large majority of land. So if we wanted to be involved in the agricultural industry, it was going to have to be through showing livestock, judging livestock, whatever it may be, both my parents actually grew up showing cattle, and my dad was, I believe, on the Illinois Junior Hereford-Pold Hereford board, I guess, at the time, whenever he was in high school, and my grandpa was the president of the Illinois-Pold Hereford Association, and then my mom, she grew up showing Kianina cattle, and she was also on the junior keyboard and showed all over the country. She was I think on the cover of like the Purple Circle magazine with steers that she showed at Nail and oh, wow. the and Nina Journal ran an article about her. They called her said she had um a body to be on the runway but oh, preferred gosh. preferred to be in the barn. So <laughs>
1: Hey, here's the deal, Adrian. I've seen your mom and I'll agree.
0: Yeah. <laughs> she is tall and thin, and my dad out kicked his coverage big time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, but, though.
0: Yeah, but they actually met when they were at Lakeland. So my dad, he started his freshman year at Blackhawk East, and at the time, that was the dominant junior college school. But in between his freshman and sophomore year, he actually laid out for a year and um, his family put on their first production sale of polled Hereford cattle. And I think that was the first and only production sale that they had. Um, a lot of work went into it, and I think you know it was fairly successful. But they decided they probably didn't really have the labor and resources to do it again. And Dad decided he probably needed to go back to school and to get a degree. And so well, they wanted would... to end
1: it on a high note.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah, you yeah. have
1: to. You have to do one.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It just takes one, right? And exactly. Then, exactly. <laughs> but then he went on to Lakeland and that's where he met my mom. My mom always says when she first saw him, she thought he was an old man. So, <laughs> but they were on the same judging team together. They're very successful. And then they both went to Western Illinois University and competed, judged with the late Bruce Ignell as their coach. And I believe they won Barrow show and mom beat dad at just about every contest. So they both were really competitive in livestock judging. And I think it's kind of a perfect match. Uh, Kane, my older brother and I, we were kind of like genetically uh, inclined to do this, I guess, because mom was a really good, placings, card marker, and dad knows how to sweet talk. So he was kind of the reasons guy. And uh, they actually started helping with the North American Junior College Livestock Judging Contest probably in the late 90s, helping put that on. And Kane and I just grew up in that environment, and we were always down there, got to see what it was like to put a livestock judging contest together at such a high competitive level. And ever since then, I think we both were just kind of hooked. And from a very young age, we both absolutely wanted to do it. Actually, I remember asking my dad when I was really young if he would take me to a judging contest. And he said, no, not until I was out of, like, (laughs) pull-ups. So I had to be potty trained, let's put it that way. And I, I knew from a young age, though, that um i wanted to compete and i've stuck with it ever since so yeah it's definitely been a huge part of my life
1: and you guys put on like an annual judging contest your family does right
0: yes so actually we put on two one of them is our family competition and this is gonna sound a little nutty but kane when he was little he started putting together these picture judging classes and it's our annual family thanksgiving picture judging contest oh yes That gets really competitive around the dinner table after Thanksgiving meal. But yeah, so annual judging contest, that probably started, I want to say 2008. And it was just started out small. We wanted to host a contest, especially for kids in the local area, because growing up in Southern Illinois, you had to drive pretty far to go to a judging contest because everything was a little farther north. And we decided we want to do something for the kids in the area. And then as it grew, I mean, the thing just kind of blew up. I think we actually are not hosting that anymore. It lasted for about 10, 11 years, a decade for sure. And it blew up to like, we had over 400 contestants that would attend. It was a huge
1: contest.
0: It was big. It was, we had a 4-H and FFA division. And then we also had JUCO schools come with their freshmen So it was kind of a nice low-key contest for their freshmen to start out at and get some reasons experience and the experience of going through a contest under their belt. And we were honestly surprised. I mean, we started, we definitely did not expect it to turn into that. And then it kind of just grew into this thing that was a little bit hard for us to manage. I mean, we did it for 10 years, but eventually it just got so large. And it was really, you know, kids that judged for my dad on the County 4-H team helped out. And we had some funding from the county, but... Really, it was mom, dad, Kane, and I trying to round up classes and get the contest ready. So it kind of got a little bit for us, a little bit hard for us to manage, I guess I would say. But it was definitely it, uh, good go while it lasted. No, sorry, it was definitely good while it lasted. And I'm glad we got to you know provide that experience for so many kids.
1: I uh, I'm very jealous uh, of your upbringing because uh, for the judging side of it. Uh, just because you were you were kind of raised in it. So I mean, growing up, you're just around your dad and your older brother that are putting together classes uh, for these contests. I mean, your dad's been putting on contests all over the country. And you kind of learn the game from a young age, You, you learn why classes are made, you learn why this one goes second, or that one goes third, blah, blah, blah. You almost have an unfair advantage coming into it that I mean, not even an unfair advantage, but you do have an advantage coming into 4-H and FFA contests.
0: Yeah, I would say definitely. I think that was part of Dad's plan, too. You know, he didn't really grow up. His parents, they ran a family restaurant. They owned Austin's restaurant for over 50 years of their life, but they were not true livestock people, and he wasn't really... You know, he didn't get brought up like that. He didn't have a strong, dominant livestock background. And I think he just made the decision. Him and mom got married and that's what they wanted their kids to do. And they wanted to become, you know, people that raised their kids in the livestock industry and gave their kids every opportunity to be ultra competitive at whatever they set their mind to. And I think he knew You know, we showed interest in livestock judging and he realized, hey, if they want to do this, why not show them what the backside of a contest looks like and what it looks like to actually put one on? Because I think that helps, especially as a, you know, a judging contestant, that helps your mindset for sure. Going into it and thinking, hmm, like, I wonder if this class was meant to, you know, split into two pairs or what the thought process was whenever they picked this class out, because that kind of helps you logic through some things as well.
1: Exactly. I mean, the, one thing that I I didn't know in uh, 4-H and FFA, but the first thing that I learned going into junior colleges was, hey, these classes actually have logic to them. I wasn't ever told that uh, by a coach in FFA or 4-H, but as soon as I got get to JUCO, they're like, hey, there's a reason why this one goes fourth. There's a reason why they split into two pairs here. And I think just knowing that from a young age has to be uh, just a just a wealth of knowledge, for sure, just going into those contests.
0: Absolutely. It always helped me out to just be able to kind of think about that or try and think about how a class was constructed. Because the other thing is, you have to remember, especially after hosting a contest and having to pick out classes ourselves for, you know, 10 or so years there, you can never make a class too easy from the beginning, like as the people picking it out. And I think that a lot of kids go into a contest and think, oh, are they trying to trick us here? Is this supposed to be really challenging? Whenever in reality, it's picked out to be easy. And if you just let things be simple, of course I say that and knock on wood. I hope I continue to do that for these (laughs) last two two contests here, but just letting it fall into place, letting it be simple and letting those big picture things hit you whenever you first step up to a class is really important.
1: Should we, uh, should we stop talking about livestock judging just so we don't (coughs) jinx you?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I told my parents I was doing this. And I was like, I don't know, I don't want to talk about it too much because I still got a couple things that I want to accomplish here before the fall's done. Yeah, so yeah, we'll we won't
1: see. we won't talk about judging too much more. Just a couple more questions, but we'll go on to your show career here. So, um when do you start showing pigs? Just from the get go, and do you only show pigs? I don't I don't know if you're a multi species showman or not.
0: So. Yeah, okay. We'll start just from the beginning, I guess. Yeah, it hit me from the beginning. Kind of feels like I came out of the womb with a show pig pipe in my hand. But no, my parents, like I said, they both grew up showing cattle all across the country. And then even before Kane and I were born, they helped several people fitting cattle. And their big thing has always been helping young people and wanting to help out kids that haven't had that experience and try and put them in a position to be successful. And so they did a lot of cattle showing with other kids that were not necessarily their own. And I wonder sometimes if dad was a little bit heartbroken that Kane and I didn't really want to show cattle, <laughs> but, um, I don't know even exactly where it started, who it stemmed from, but Kane really knew that he wanted to show pigs. And then little sister, I just kind of followed along and said, Hey, you know, I want to do that too. I remember walking around with him, some of his first show pigs out in our big backyard, just kind of toddling along behind him and thinking, I want to do this too. And I think I showed, I know for a fact, there's actually a picture of me from the Menard County Fair, which is the county fair that my mom would have grown up showing in. And it's this newspaper article where I am walking along behind this Atrocious blue butt hog. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I just have my pipe slung over my shoulder, not really showing. Just walking along. I think I was about three years old, you bet. and that's whenever I started. And you know, the National Junior Swine Association was starting up right around that time as well, and growing in size. And that would have been when Jennifer Scheich was in charge of the youth portion, the youth events, and. We were just involved with that from the get-go and knew that that would be a great opportunity for us because even if you don't always have the best pigs, the NJSA provides a lot of other opportunities for kids to get involved with skill a livestock judging, public speaking, whatever it might be, plus just the network that we were able to build up from the beginning through being involved with a junior organization like that was incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I would assume that it had to be just uh just great to have your parents just kind of push you into it. Not even push you into it, but just kind of put you in that atmosphere to, to like it and love it. And then having Kane there, uh, your older brother, just to kind of show you the way. it That had to just kind of push you into it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, they always said, you know, you don't have to do this. It's not like it was our only option. I actually um, played basketball for... A long time up to my freshman year of high school and that's one thing most people don't know about me but I like to whip out the old glory days because I was what on position the point guard
1: oh a little PG
0: yeah and I was on the cover of the state junior high tournament like the state tournament basketball magazine just pushing the ball down the court and oh
1: you're a, you're a uh, uh, playmaker then
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> what that's the- awesome Be a baller, shot caller. (laughs) (laughs) We can
1: sing the song. I mean, I'm. I'm (laughs)
0: Hey, you're the singer. I don't know if they want my voice blessing them here, (laughs) but no. But my freshman year, I was pretty committed solely to basketball, and I went to a bigger school, and that was kind of you had to like pick one thing that you were gonna do, and they moved me up from the freshman team to play varsity to start varsity. You know. And I that was like dominated all of my time. And then the summer in between like my freshman and sophomore year of high school, my 4-H team won the state contest, which meant that we would advance on advance on to the American Royal. And I knew that I needed to be able to practice. And I also knew that I wanted to be inv- more involved with our FFA chapter there. So I made the decision that I was going to quit basketball. And that kind of was like a complete 360 where... I kind of changed everything around and prioritized more so that I want to be wanted to be involved with more agriculture competitions and wanted to be more involved with livestock judging at a serious level
1: now I have this I have a pretty similar situation I played baseball all my life and then coming into uh, high school I quit my freshman year because I wanted to be more involved in FFA and livestock judging I want to know your perspective how how hard was that decision for you and was it brought to your attention or did you know mentally that you had to make that decision?
0: So I would say for sure that was my own personal choice. Um, No one really brought it to my attention because like I said, my parents were always just supportive in everything that I did. And if I had to continue to play basketball and said, I never wanted to judge or do anything like that again, they would have been fine. They would have been at every game. And I just realized, you know, I'm five foot three and <laughs> weigh about 130 pounds and I'm not very big and I'm probably not going to go pro. I'm not going to be in the WNBA, Yeah. but there are things that I could do in the agricultural industry that, you know, are going to advance into a career someday. And I knew that that was what I was passionate about. And I would say, I mean, that's a tough choice to make, especially, you know, at 14, 15 years old, oh, but... Yeah. I think just realizing what I was passionate about and, you know, where I was planning to go in my future was an important thing for me to do at that stage. And I'm thankful that I had a lot of people around me that, you know, supported my choice no matter what, because I did get some backlash on the other side of things, of course, from basketball coaches and teammates that thought it was kind of goofy because not, ev- not everyone understands, you know, what we do in this exactly. industry or. Why, what livestock judging even is, let alone why it's important? So
1: yeah, see, my problem was is I had to have it brought to my attention that I was, oh, yeah? <laughs> that I was spending too much time in both. I mean, I I'm the type of guy that I like. I just like to do a lot of things, and I'll just half ass all of them. But I'm doing a lot of things, so I feel like I'm doing them really well. And then yeah. somebody just sat me down and was like, "Dude, you just need to like pick one, and it should probably be." <laughs> 4-H and FFA because you're not that good of a ball player so <laughs> I mean it was kind of brought to me pretty quick but it, it definitely helped me out and I think I, I think we both chose the right path
0: absolutely I mean sometimes I wonder what it would have been like because actually all of the girls that I played with or actually graduated with went on and they at least played basketball at like the junior college level but So I feel like that still would have been an option for me. However, I know that I made the right decision for myself in terms of what it's done for me with scholarships and, you know, traveling all across the country, the people that I've met. And I definitely know that that's what's molding me into a better person to someday tackle a career.
1: 100%. And it just goes back to like, I mean, you've talked about your parents being so into helping youth and and just making sure that uh, kids are being helped and getting into the right hands and stuff like that, I I have to say that like that, that has, that had to have played a huge role in your life. Just growing up, seeing your parents just working their asses off for kids that they don't even know, just just wanting to help.
0: Yeah. I mean, sometimes I, I get a little emotional sometimes talking about them just because those are two people that it, they just amaze me with, they would do anything for anyone and the way that they've impacted lives of young people. My dad was also, he was a grade school principal for like 25 years, I want to say. So even in, I mean that realm, not necessarily agriculture related, but you know, I remember him going into school early or staying at school late or talking to kids that needed help or maybe didn't have the best home life and, both him and my mom always have been extremely dedicated to, you know, if someone comes to them and needs help or, you know, someone needs a little bit of motivation or a push in the right direction, they're absolutely there. And their passion for this industry just blows my mind, but it's also pushed me, you know, to kind of pursue the same things in terms of how I want to treat people and what I want to be known for. And, from a very young age, they encouraged me to, you know, always be extremely ethical and morally upstanding because, you know, it's cool to be successful and or popular or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to look yourself in the mirror and know that you've done the right thing and you've absolutely gave it your all. But you've done it in a way that you would be proud to represent to others. And that's just something that they instilled in Kane and I from a very young age. And I think that they've worked to do that for other people as well.
1: Yeah, and, and just kind of seeing – I've met your dad a couple of times. I haven't really talked to him that much, but, I mean, he seems like a pretty straight-across guy. He's going to tell you what's up, and he's not going to sugarcoat any of it. So, uh, I mean, that growing up in that atmosphere had to just be like, all right, straight to the point, no, no BS, got to do what I got to do, and got to get out.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And mom, I actually think mom's the influencer there because she is one, she is a tough lady. You do not (laughs) want to mess with Holly at all. But no, I mean, growing up, they told me like it was, they didn't sugarcoat things for me. And I mean, I knew that we didn't necessarily have the biggest name in terms of buying livestock or showing livestock. And we didn't always have the most money to spend either. And they were always very upfront with Kane and I that If we wanted to be successful, we were going to have to be able to work with what we had and, you know, push ourselves to be better. And we were going to have to be in the barn, you know, early every morning and working hard every day. And, you know, we would have to put in almost like double the work to maybe get half the credit, if that makes sense. Yeah. And just doing what we could to accomplish our goals and realizing that we were in charge kind of like of our own future was something that they absolutely pushed us towards.
1: That's a good skill to have. That's a good mindset to have, at least, especially learning that at a young age from like nine when you start or when you start showing, when you start going to contests, having that mindset is it's just going to set you up for success in the future. It has to.
0: Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. And I mean, both of them were just great examples for me to have growing up. I know not everyone is fortunate to have, you know, the same examples and a parent. And I just feel, I mean, truly the word to describe it would be blessed to have grown up in that environment and then to have, you know, Kane along the way as well to push me to work hard and do my best every day.
1: And we've talked a lot about your parents and this is the last question that I'm going to ask. And it's, it's going to be about your dad. Your dad's name is Steve Austin. Yes. Uh, <laughs> stone cold. Oh, yeah. How many times have you gotten that joke, or how many times have you seen him been told that joke before?
0: So, it's crazy. I told you he was a grade school principal, and he would get he would get calls in the middle of the night and be like, is Stone Cold there? <laughs> and everyone just constantly calls him Stone Cold Steve Austin or the other one is Six Million Dollar Man. Oh, gosh. And because I think that goes back to a, a TV show. I don't know. I'm, I'm. That's a little dated for me, but a TV show where the star's name was Steve Austin or something. But, no, he always got that. And then in junior college, I guess I kind of have this – I mean, we all talk about, like, RBF and not always having the most pleasant face whenever you're just walking around. And they always would call me Stone Cold Adrian Austin because I guess I had a pretty intimidating stare. Either that or I'll get called, you know, Yo Adrian, like, from Rocky.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll just just be walking
0: walking across campus, especially in junior college, and I just hear, Yo Adrian! I'm like, yep, that's me. What's up?
1: Yeah, I, I would just, that's the first thing I thought when I met your dad was, he was like, yeah, my name's, or Kane was like, yeah, my dad's uh over there. His name's Steve. And then it took me a little bit. I was like, Steve Austin, stone cold Steve Austin. That's the best <laughs> name ever.
0: Yes. That's what, I mean, everybody just always resorts back to that. So
1: um now we can get, we can get back to you now. We talked a lot about your <laughs> okay. parents. Uh, about your dad's name let's I want to ask you how many like youth programs were you in uh, until you went to junior college
0: youth programs yeah like
1: 4-H FFA and JSA all that jazz
0: those would be I mean I was a team purebred member too and JSA member and then 4-H and FFA played heavy roles on my life Um, I actually served as the Illinois State 4-H livestock ambassador team President—that's kind of a mouthful—and we were so livestock ambassador team consisted of about like twenty individuals from across the state of Illinois that came together to put together um, conferences for youth and 4-H, and we helped with like the governor's sale of champions at the state fair, that sort of thing. I served as a section officer in FFA, so I got to help out in several different roles there, and. Definitely was just involved in several, you know, leadership elements, agriculturally related, that helped develop me into the person I am today. But probably the most specific one would be the NJSA Junior Board. And I feel like that was just, you know, if the shoe fits, then put it on because, that was something i probably was expected maybe to do ever since i was young just because we were really heavily involved in njsa and kane he was the president of the njsa a couple of years before i ran for the board and then i served from 2017 and just went off the board here in july july of 2019 and i was the secretary which to me though the titles for that don't really matter at all so much as just the fact that it's incredible the amount of kids that you meet from all across the country and there was I really can't think of anything more rewarding I know as a past junior board member yourself you know how long those shows can get and it just feels like you're putting in all this work for a thankless job but it's the smiles on those kids faces and you know, those parents that come up to you afterwards and say, you know, Hey, I see you and we appreciate everything that you do that make it all worthwhile.
1: I'm getting goosebumps right now. Honestly, like (laughs) just, just like the, the shows sucked, like just working the shows sucked. You got to see like good livestock all the time, but the work involved was, was a lot, but just to have like one kid come up to you and give you a high five or one parent just come up to you and be like, Hey, thanks for helping my kid out in the ring when it, when their pig was acting up. That that made it worth it every single time for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we I won't sugarcoat it. We all know it. If you're a junior board member, you're there to work. And it's not just, you know, fun and games or, oh, look at me. I'm wearing an NJSA shirt. But the best example of that that I can think of actually was uh, World Pork Expo this past summer here. I don't even remember what day it was. I want to say it was the guilt show day. Whatever one, it felt, it felt like we were there until like ten thirty or 11. It yeah. seemed like it was really late. We'd been there all day. It was kind of hot. Everybody was grouchy. And I just remember I went into the show office and grabbed like a handful. I just started stuffing starbursts into my jean pockets. <laughs> and then I went back out and I was working because I was working the back checking people in. And if you're a board member, you know, that's not really the place to be because that's, that's where a you sketchy can, place. That's where you can get yelled at a lot. For, you can get hit back there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's scary working the back. You got to get those kids lined up and in order in the makeup ring and Parents are kind of getting fired up because their kid's about to go in the ring, and it can just get, you know, a little treacherous back there. But I had these starbursts in my pocket, and there were these kids. It was late. They're coming up, and their parents are like, you're going to do fine. You're going to do great. And they're trying to coach them up. And these kids are – some of them are crying. They're tired. They're leaning on the rail. They don't want to be there. And I'd just go by, and I'd check in their back tag number, and then I'd be like, hey, don't tell anybody. but And I'd give them a starburst. And it was just like, it's just little things like that where they'd instantly, it was just all smiles or they couldn't believe that like somebody had given them candy and they'd look at their parents like, oh, are we allowed to eat this? But, <laughs> and I just remember one mom, this one girl, she probably, I don't know how many pigs she had there, but she'd come up for like four classes in a row it felt like and so I gave her a starburst every time oh nice (laughs) but she'd been really crying to start out with and her mom was like she pulled me off to the side after the show was over and she was like I just appreciate it like you acted like the energizer bunny back here and you didn't let it show that you were tired too and you made a real effort to make sure those kids you know finished their day out strong and enjoyed the experience and it was kind of emotional because she was kind of tearing up and it was just it gave me chills to think you know that as young people as people on the board like we're given the opportunity to you know help make an impact like that help make somebody's day better and hopefully you know change some lives for the better along the way
1: exactly and even like the days are long and you're working even if you're not working back there you're working in the ring, you're opening pins when you're sitting there at the final drive and you're sitting in the ring with all your friends that you just spent all that time with that week and you get to watch like two kids just two kids their world is being made that I'm getting goosebumps right now again just thinking about it. like that I can go on about this forever but that's what's oh worth I it. know
0: yeah and that I don't know if we have time for this, but that actually makes me, not to get too sentimental, but the grain drives were always my favorite because you just be crouched down in there and you have a front row seat to watch something happen that, like, those kids are going to remember forever. But I actually, so World Pork Expo for me this year was a little bit harder because my grandpa's brother, so it would have been my great uncle, he had... Down syndrome and he lived with my grandparents and he was like I believe the oldest living person with Down syndrome in the United States but he passed away right during World Pork Expo and the big thing I don't know if you know the Hendrickson family and Hogan I believe he struggles with I want to say autism and he was coming out and i he had like the reserve land race barrow I think but just he got to come out and make the circle. And I, I mean, I had tears in my eyes because Daniel, he doesn't always show the most emotion either, but he was back there just so proud crying. And you could tell, I mean, Hogan was just pumped to be out Stoked there,
1: to be out there,
0: made the circle, came back into the, the holding pen there. And he just looked at his dad and he was like, I did it. I did that. And that just, I just remember sitting there in the shavings kind of trying to hide my face behind the show program because I was you know tearing up and crying but it's just amazing like what junior programs like that can do for these young kids of any age you know or no matter you you know what they're struggling with or whatever it might be no matter what background they come from they can still come to these events and they're going to have a place and there's going to be something for them
1: and I have a similar story with Hadley same same family but uh, at Summer spectacular. Uh, I mean, that girl wins everything in showmanship. She's yeah. she's a star. Um, but she was getting her end of the year awards, and she was up there with the whole junior board. And she looks at all of us, and she just said, "I want to be like you guys when I grow up." And Aww, I, yeah. it was the cutest thing. It was it was the absolute cutest thing. And I'm like, "You're nine years old, and I think you actually mean that."
0: <laughs> yeah, which I mean, and that's not. I mean, the point of it isn't to, you know, want to make people think of you as like, oh, you're a star on the junior board, and that's obviously not what it's about. But it's knowing that you can make that positive impact and be a role model for someone that hopefully, you know, they have this positive influence in their life that they can look up to. And I think, I mean, that's just the incredible part of it.
1: Exactly. And let's just give a quick PSA for the parents and, and show jocks that are taking their pigs to the holding pens at any show. Anybody that's checking pigs in, they're, they don't want to listen to you. Uh, and if you're mad at them, it's not their fault. Let's just say that right now.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah, I have a lot of stories from being in the back and people being upset, which I understand. I understand it's a high-intensity situation, and there's a lot going on. But I promise you, like, if you're late to your class, I can't do anything about it. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: And I remember when your brother ran the uh, check-in at uh, Expo when I was my first year on the board. and. He had the same thing. I mean, everybody that works that, they're going to have the same experience and it's not going to be that yeah. fun.
0: I promise you, it's not fun for us either to like have to send someone away. <laughs> exactly. But we really, that's just the rules. I'm sorry. Like, just follow the rules and you'll be okay.
1: <laughs> Let's get on to a happier topic. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> Moving so, on.
1: <laughs> so, uh, your family has a long history of going to Lincoln Land uh, Junior College, as you've said before. Uh, and, and that's where you went, right? I'm, I don't have my facts wrong here.
0: No, okay, so Kane and I, we both went to Lincoln Land. Mom and dad went to Lakeland. Lakeland.
1: Oh, gosh. So it's
0: it's challenging. Everyone always gets it wrong because it's those two L colleges in Illinois, and they both are competitive with livestock judging. That's the worst.
1: Why don't they just change the names?
0: I know. (laughs) But it's funny you say that because, actually, whenever I was running for the NJSA Junior Board, it got printed in – the seed stock edge that I attended Lakeland.
1: Oh God! And that would
0: have been like in between my freshman and sophomore year when I was judging at Lincolnland. Yeah. And my teammates, we had our group like Snapchat, and they all were Snapchatting me like, "Guys, I didn't know we lost a teammate." And
1: just like getting Snapchats, like, like, like "When'd you transfer, trader? Yeah,
0: I was like, "I I promised that I said I'd go to Lincolnland, but it just got you know something didn't get conveyed right there." <laughs>
1: Well, but you you kind of followed Kane's footsteps going to Lincoln Land. Did you mean for for that to happen or did you honestly just like that school more than any other school you toured?
0: Honestly, so this kind of has to do with some family history stuff as well. And just little disclaimer before we start this story, I did not want to go where Kane went at all. I was like I want to be the exact opposite of him. I want to do my own thing. And then it just happened to turn out that I ended up attending both Lincoln Land and Kansas State, which is exactly what he did. But, you know, I made the most of it and I had my own <laughs> separate experience and it was still great. Now, the, re- the reason it's kind of nice that you asked that, because actually, at the time that I would have committed to a junior college, the coach at Lakeland was Brian Orrick, and he was one of my dad's four H kids that dad coached when Brian was in four H. And then at Lincolnland, the coach was and still is Craig Beckmeyer, another kid that my dad had coached in four H. So he coached both of those and then they were both coaching at junior colleges in Illinois at the time that I had to make my decision. So kind of had family ties to yeah. both of them. A little and, bit of both. Yeah. But I just thought it was so cool that, I mean, dad has been coaching forever. And, you know, he'd coached both of those that could potentially be coaching me. And, no, I ended up, you know, choosing Lincoln Land just because it felt like home, I guess. Maybe that sounds cheesy, but Craig is absolutely someone that I can call, like, a second dad, really. And he always, Craig always joked when I was judging for him that I was, like, the female version of him. Like we had the exact same mindset and kind of the same approach to things and everything just meshed perfectly. And I was, you know, I was offered a scholarship to several really good schools and, you know, felt very fortunate for that. But, you know, I was confident in my decision and happy that I ended up choosing that school because, also, I mean some of the lifelong friends that I made from there you know you can't you can't trade those experiences
1: oh Juco's incredible and the people you meet is uh, it's second to none but I have to assume that uh, being coached by a guy that was coached by your dad that's a pretty easy transition from I mean you were coached by your dad up until you went to junior college right
0: yeah yep.
1: yeah so I mean it's that's an easy transition to go from home to junior college and just pick it right back up i mean i'm sure he changed it just a little bit he has his own style but it's all the same basis
0: which i mean you would think so and that's kind of what i thought (laughs) going into it but i wouldn't say i mean their styles aren't exactly the same actually i've felt way more relaxed judging for craig than i ever felt judging for my dad because i knew like if i messed something up with dad he was gonna for sure be maybe extra hard on me kind of that gotta be extra hard on your kid to like prove a point kind of thing yeah and with Craig, I'd mess up and he'd kind of be like, "No, oh, it's all right. I remember Tulsa, the Tulsa contest my sophomore year. I think I dropped, I literally probably dropped 100 points. And that was by far the worst contest that I've had in my <laughs> collegiate judging career, maybe ever. And I just remember sitting on the floor while they're going through the critique next to Craig, and he was, like, patting me on the shoulder, and he's like, it's okay. And I know I don't – he said, I know I don't have to say anything because I know you're going to be probably harder on yourself than I would be on you. And it was fine, and after that, I kind of got my crap back together, got my head on straight. So now, sometimes look, you just have to go through those moments.
1: <laughs> looking back at that contest, what made you think that you, you just weren't seeing it well?
0: Um, I like to think – you kind of go through a funk, or at least for me, and I think Kane was probably the same way when he was in college, several people that I've been close to, it's almost like you're getting to that point where you're, you've are you got all this information, you're learning all this great stuff, and you're making these improvements that all of a sudden it's like too much, and you have to kind of remind yourself, go back to the basics, and yes don't get so confused or caught up in little details that you forget the big picture of a, of a class or a contest. And I think that was just, I was kind of in that stage of, okay, I know I need to be doing all these things, but how do I do them all exactly the right way? And I was so focused almost on not making mistakes that in turn I was making all the mistakes. So that's
1: there. That's the paradox right there. the, like the first couple of contests, the start of your sophomore year judging collegiately are those are crucial, or not even crucial, but like you're gonna figure some stuff out right there because I mean it's you're a sophomore, you're top dog on the totem pole in junior college, you're getting all this info like you said, you, you're learning all these new words and terms to put in your reasons, you're learning new formats, and then you all want to put it together at one time. And that doesn't necessarily work out all all the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's the part where you just have to take a step back and trust the process. Trust your coach. Trust yourself. Trust your teammates. And realize, you know, it doesn't all have to happen right now. Like, this is a process. It's a a long, you know, couple semesters judging. Like, just let it happen naturally the way it's supposed to. And things will be much better.
1: Now, what's your thoughts on, like, just first impression, just going off first impression?
0: Like when you're judging a class?
1: Yeah, just judging a class. Just walk up, turn around, and and go with your placing that you just came up with.
0: That is something Chris Mullenix here at Kansas State, um, he's taught me a lot about that, I would say, because I feel like in junior college I, I had a successful run, would not complain about how I did, but there are a few times where I was able to kind of work myself into – a bad situation in terms of marking a card because I would stray from that initial impression and not let just those big picture things hit me. And here at Kansas state, he's, he's taught me and I think the whole team a lot about like just trusting your gut and letting those things kind of hit you to begin with. And obviously, I mean, sometimes, you know, you're going to have some changes here or there as you go throughout the 15 minutes or whatever it is that you get to judge a class. But usually I mean you come up and your eye is naturally trained to think, Hey, that's good li- that's good livestock or Exactly that's, that's bad livestock. And especially now as seniors in college, like we have to be at the point where we can realize and trust ourselves to know like we know what we're doing, so just let it be simple, trust those big picture things and then, you know, between a pair or something, that's when you get in and study those details
1: yeah i've i've said this before i'll say it again i wish i i wish i, w- I, I would have gone through a contest uh, through 4-h ffa or collegiately and just done it with every class just gone through and it, as soon as i turn around if i don't have a placing within 30 seconds like i just i have to come up with a placing within that 30 seconds mark it and turn it in and just don't think about it I, and i just i just want to do it i just i'd like to go do it as an experiment just to see how yeah, let's see
0: what happens. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it'd be a cool experiment just to do that. And I've had, like, uh, I was helping out at a judging contest in Arizona this past weekend, and uh, I took reasons, and a girl came up to me after and was like, what can I do to improve? And she was talking about uh, some of her classes that she mismarked, and uh, she switched pairs, thinking about it too much. And I told her, I was like, just go through one of these contests. I mean, state Arizona State Fair Livestock Judging Contest isn't very big. Go through one of those smaller contests. And just go with your first impression and see what happens. Because what, what is there to lose?
0: Right, absolutely. Which I think that would be interesting. Probably not at this point. Well, in my yeah. <laughs> career, in my, I don't know if I want to come out and tell Chris, hey, yeah, I, I turned in a card after the first five seconds at every class. But no, I mean, just trusting, you know, those big picture things that initially hit you to begin with is so important. And I mean, there's always going to be, a class or two in each contest that's naturally falls together to be a little more difficult than the rest yeah and that's where I mean myself included I'm guilty of it kids want to just absolutely freak out on those classes and that's how you get yourself in trouble and it's just you know taking a step back and thinking through it and being logical like what's the most logical placing to come up with and again it goes back to thinking you know how was this class picked out you know or how is this supposed to break down is the best way to arrive to a logical placing because chances are like if you think it's hard if you think it's challenging then so did everybody else and I think that's the thing that kids tend to forget in contests like everyone else is doing this too and you're not talking to everyone you're going throughout the whole day where it's just you know me myself and I and I have to sort this out but Chances are, like, if you think it's difficult, everyone else is also thinking it's difficult. So just, like, trust your instinct and you'll be fine.
1: Exactly. And, and if you can find those big picture items right at the beginning, that only in turn helps out your reasons. I mean If oh, you can, absolutely, if you can yeah. figure out the big picture things right off the bat and figure out why it's placed that way, your reasons are basically wrote for you.
0: Yeah, very true.
1: Now, uh, you said that you followed Kane to K-State as well. Now. Uh, do you want to give an explanation for that, or or do you, is it just the same deal? You kind of went to K State and that was home. Because I'm um, assuming I'm assuming you got a lot of offers. I mean, you 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 were doing well. You've got a name already because you're a brother. Uh, you're doing well in junior college. I'm I'm assuming you were on the radar of of senior college coaches.
0: Yeah, so I was, like I said, I mean, very fortunate to have a solid juco career i won i won denver and then i was the not only did you
1: win denver hold on let's hold on adrian don't be modest you 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 like set records i
0: did not want to bring this up for this exact reason here's
1: i think you should though adrian you need to you need to talk about this you set how many records did you set at the stock show that year
0: I I am not
1: just say totally it
0: totally for sure. Okay, I know that I <laughs> <laughs> set a record for like as far as I've been told, and you know, if there's anybody that listens to this that wants to argue this point, please let me know. Like I'm <laughs> I'm A okay because I have gotten so much teasing about this record thing it's not even funny but
1: i'm not teasing you i want i want you to know that i'm not te- i think it's a real accomplishment and i want i want to have you say this so that people can understand what a, and what an accomplishment it is
0: so i believe i set a record in the overall score p- portion i was the high individual overall and i dropped i think i want to say i dropped like mm, well, somewhere in the teens off the floor, which wasn't necessarily overly impressive because there's another kid that year that dropped 12. I mean, it's still a low amount, but that is not what contributed really to ending up with an overall record. It was more so the fact that I set a record in reasons. Um, I talked. so you have eight sets. They're worth 50 points, so that's 400 points that you can get total in the reasons portion. And I talked a 391 that day, which means <laughs> which means I dropped eight points in reasons, right? So you averaged
1: a 49.
0: I mean, Kane Kane likes to tell me, well, technically you averaged like a 48 and a half. Oh. Because I talked, we gave eight sets, I talked seven 49s and a 48. Okay. And like I we're going to say you averaged a
1: 49. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah. If I if I was saying it, I'd like to say I averaged forty nine. Kane exactly. always likes to get technical, but no, I mean, Kane's you know, just jealous. <laughs> you know, he might be. But...
1: <laughs> Kane, if you're listening, I don't mean it.
0: <laughs> but no, I mean he was just the most supportive ever that day, and I just remember, you know, because at Denver you go through the contest and then. You have to wait like a whole day until the banquet because they do the carloads contest the next day and then that night is the banquet. And everyone just kept, you know, hyping me up and asking me like, How do you think you did and trying to guess like what my reason score was gonna be because they'd called off my number my number several times in the critique for a high set, but didn't necessarily say what my score was each time and I don't know. It was just the most Surreal thing that I ever probably have been a part of because, I mean, looking back, it's just it's happened and I'm like, wow, I'm thankful to have had that accomplishment, but it just seems almost unrealistic. Personally, I don't think. I mean, if I'm scoring reasons in contests, I'm not somebody that's just going to be like, oh, you get a forty nine, you get a fifty, and I don't think that just happens. Like, you have to be a little. Oh, lucky you gotta.
1: Too. Well, you gotta deserve it first of all.
0: Well, yeah, I mean... You gotta know yeah. what you're
1: talking about.
0: I won't lie, I felt like I was pretty on it that day. Uh, I do this thing, after I come out of a set of reasons, I, I'll i write down like notes about how the set went or something, and I'll score myself, mm-hmm. so I'll give myself like what I think I'm gonna score, and that day I kept writing down like, 47, 48, 47, 48, and so I knew, I felt like I was on it, and then it just, I mean, it turned out that I was, but... I do think there's a little bit of luck involved with that, too. I mean, like, sometimes it's just every dog has his day and you're meant to have your day. And it's that's just how it worked out. So, like, that was awesome. And I will never, like, I will always remember that. I'll never forget that day and just, like, my emotions and everything throughout the banquet and all the people that were there to, like, congratulate me and stuff. But, I mean, it's just, it's still kind of hard to believe. And everybody likes to give me so much Have a hard time about it.
1: It had to to just be a surreal experience, and the only reason people are giving you a hard time about it is because they'll never experience it. That's just
0: that's that's just how it
1: is. I mean, there is literally just a handful of people that are gonna set records, set records that have. I mean, the judging contest at Denver has been there for what? I mean, it has to be like over sixty years.
0: Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's been around for a very very long time. I don't know the exact years, but.
1: That's that's incredible that that record is held for so long and you just broke it. It's been such a long held record and it it's pretty impressive. But we were we were talking about
0: we were talking about <laughs> what were we talking about? We were PC. talking about you
1: uh you getting recruited for for yeah, senior okay. colleges.
0: So I was an All American in junior college, one Denver, and I had
1: oh wow
0: several. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> I had some offers to different schools I visited several places and honestly so Kane had been there and I knew the ins and outs of how K-State worked and I knew I mean Chris was his coach at K-State as well so I knew kind of Chris's style and again like I didn't really want to go where Kane had went I wanted to go somewhere else but I mean I was open to the idea and just the day I came on my visit K-State has this, I don't know what exactly it's called, like a heritage room or like legacy room where it's filled with like artwork. Um, We have a retired bronze bull in there. And it's just like all this very historical stuff that proves that, you know, K-State has been this dominant agricultural school for a long time. And Chris was talking about like, the connections that you can make in the livestock industry, and how when he was little, I don't remember what show it might have been Denver that he said he was at. He had to do this project for school, and his dad made him go up and interview, I believe Don Good, which ha- made a huge. You probably don't necessarily know that name, or people listening wouldn't. I but don't think if, I do. If you go, if you go to K State, you know the name Don Good because he had such a such a huge impact especially on our animal science department and just had his hand in the agricultural elements of the university and kind of changed the course that K-State was taking. And so anyway, Chris, Chris interviewed Don and, and Don eventually told him, I believe at the inter at the end of the interview, like, you know, son, someday, like you could maybe be a livestock judging coach or, you know, like don't basically told him like dream big and you can accomplish whatever you want. Well, then, I mean, Chris comes to K-State. He's originally from Maryland, and he ends up marrying Don Goods. I guess it would be his niece. That's Don't quote me on that, but Chris's wife is related to Don. So it's just like small wow. world network, and from such a young age, Chris was told, like, hey, you could go be a livestock judging coach. You could be successful. I just remember him telling me this story, and I'm just like, I'm kind of emotional, anyway. I guess because I was just moved to tears, and I was like, "Wow! Like I want to be a part of that. Like that history, that yeah. network, that legacy." And that's when I knew I was like, "Okay, that's it. I'm gonna be a wildcat. I want to bleed purple. Sign me up!" Like,
1: <laughs> that's awesome.
0: Yeah,
1: you just get one of those. I mean, I mean, he gave it to 16 other recruits that day, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> that's messing exactly
0: with you. What I was thinking, I'm sure, like he has that feel down, you know, to the crossing the eyes or not, crossing the T's and dotting the eyes, but but I'm it sure is a, but is. it
1: is a good story. I mean, that's that's a true story about what this industry can do for a person that's that's not not necessarily set up for success in the industry.
0: Exactly. I mean, I mean just like we've talked about earlier on here, like what my parents had always instilled in me from a young age about you know working hard and seeing like how your hard work is going to pay off and just always setting goals for yourself and pursuing them with all that you have. And then it was like, Chris was saying those exact things whenever he was doing his little recruitment pitch. And I was like, yeah, I'm I'm sold. I think I'd fit in here. So,
1: (laughs) so so you, you didn't even think twice about it
0: after that. No, not really. I remember like on the drive home, I was just, Pretty adamant that that's where I wanted to be. And, you know, uh it's seven hours away from home, so it's not like overly close. I can't just run home on the weekend or something, but it has been truly a great experience to come out here, even though at times it's been challenging because, you know, I am away from home, can't help out with the sows all the time back home. And it's just been a little bit of a change up in that regard because at junior college I was only two and a half hours away. But no, I mean, I definitely would not change my time at K-State for the world because it's been great.
1: And you're there now. You're in your senior year.
0: Yes. Yep. And, senior uh, year.
1: Yeah. You're you're in it.
0: Yeah. You're still com. liking
1: it. That's good.
0: Yeah. I'm an ECON <laughs> major, admiring in animal science. They let me do this little, I'm like the voice of our animal science department monthly headlines. Oh, so I, I saw that like, on
1: Facebook. That was awesome.
0: Yeah. I get to do a little video every month about what we're doing and how the animal science department's holding up and no I mean the people I've met out here especially my teammates I'm gonna be honest coming into it I hope they listen to this because I want them to hear this (laughs) (laughs) um coming into it I was a little nervous because at Lincoln Land I had a great team like we all got along and we were friends but we were not always the most competitive team and i just remember going to all these junior college contests and butler kicked our butts oh, yeah. all year they Same won like here. they won like everything i mean they're so dominant and then of course i mean chris he used to coach at butler so i mean now he coaches here and yeah he gets a lot of those Butler kids to come here and I just remember kind of asking I think I asked Chris like who all's coming and he told me and I was I mean I was the only Lincoln Land kid and like one of the very few kids that was not from Butler and I was like oh boy this is gonna be interesting because they're competitive and they've all been judging together for the past two years and I just don't know how this is gonna go -hmm. And I I got here and boy I tell you what they are awesome to have like a glove yeah like as it took a little while I think for all of us to warm up to each other and kind of get in a groove and no but I just cannot think of like a group of funnier people that would be like they're so fun to get in the van with and they know how to have a good time. But whenever it comes down to, like, it's time to work, they do not shy away from that either. And I think that's awesome. Like, they've been absolutely great.
1: That's awesome. And it's it's so funny how everybody, whether it's junior college or senior college, at the beginning of the year, when, it, when no one knows each other, everybody comes in with a big chip on their shoulder. And they act yeah, like the big, like, tough mm, guy.
0: I don't know if I'm going to like you. Yeah.
1: But but two weeks later you're in you're in the or a week later you're in somebody's backyard playing darts or something. Like
0: Yeah, absolutely. It it
1: happened the transition happened so fast from like hating each other and being very competitive to being like, Oh, this is like he's she or he is just like me. Like we're just we're all the same.
0: Yeah, which I mean, it's hard. How would it not happen whenever you spend like that's who you spend almost all of your time with you're getting in the van and you get way too close and personal and way too know too much about those people. But sometimes they might drive you crazy. But in the end, like, whenever we leave this place in May, or maybe for some of us a little later than that. (laughs) But those are the people that we're going to remember. We are never going to forget them. We're going to tell our kids stories about all the crazy stuff that we did with, you know, our teammates, and that's what we're going to talk about: is those miles that we traveled up and down the road with each other. So,
1: yeah, and and especially if if you guys end up uh, doing pretty good this fall, but we won't talk about it. We won't talk about no,
0: it. No, no, no. We won't talk about <laughs> it. Uh, let's
1: uh, let's talk about your internship that you just had that you just had this summer. Um, was that the, that was with, uh, the Hereford association, right?
0: Yeah. I interned with the American Hereford association. Um, and that was a bit of a change up in itself. I know I talked a little bit about how my dad was the president or my grandpa was the president of the Illinois polled Hereford association association in like, I don't know, probably the eighties or something. And dad was, you know, grew up showing Hereford cattle and he was on the junior Hereford board for Illinois, but. You know, other than like a few Hereford cows running around the home place, I did not have much experience with it. I knew that actually, so I had two internship offers and one of them was to go back home and work for RFD radio in Illinois. And I thought for the longest time, like, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I want to do. And I can go back and be home. But then I got I actually got this email through, you know, K-State listserv about the Hereford Association internship. And I thought, what the heck? Like, I'll go ahead and apply for it, see what happens. And then they offered it to me, literally not even... They called me back. I had a phone interview. They called me back five minutes after and said, hey, like, do you want to be our intern for the summer? And Dang,
1: that's awesome.
0: <laughs> I was like, oh, uh, okay. Well, can I have, like, a little bit of time to think about it here? And I remember I went home for Christmas break and talked to my parents about it. And I just thought, you know, it'll be a little different. I've had experience with running large youth livestock shows with the NJSA. But this is obviously an entirely different species. So, and it was awesome. I mean, I lived in Kansas City for the summer. And the people in the Hereford office are like family for sure. And they would do anything for you. And just like the class, the professionalism that they displayed... And whatever they were doing, and how they truly cared about Hereford breeders was awesome. And that's like, sorry Angus people, but we have been voted. Hereford was voted the best junior nationals for like two years in a row on Showtime's Best of the Barn or whatever it is. So I got to be a part of that, and I had never been to a Hereford junior nationals. And it was also in Denver. And since Denver's like tearing down you know they tore down the yards and they're redoing a bunch of stuff like that'll probably be the last I mean that will be the last Junior Nationals that's going to be hosted in that like historic building historic place and just being there for that and realizing like hey I've been to a pig show before and I've done all that but like seeing it at that level and seeing all the Hereford breeders come together was really interesting and it just taught me so much so it's
1: got to be like a different world i mean we're all we're all in the like livestock industry but the cattle industry and the cattle show industry is so much older and like so much distinguished like that's how i think of the cattle industry is just like the old guy in the corner that has like a really old glasses uh knows everything knows all the answers that's the cattle industry to me they've just been so old and they're dominant
0: Yeah, I mean, absolutely, like, there is such a rich history in the cattle industry, and I mean, they're kind of what started it all in terms of, you know, junior livestock shows and providing opportunities like that for young people, and it was just, the one thing that really stuck out to me was their awards banquet. So, with NJSA, we have that at, like, the end of our Summer Spectacular show, and it's It's fun and it's good, and it's a great you know way to honor the kids, but just how stinking hyped up those kids were at this Hereford Awards banquet blew my mind like there's one kid they everybody comes down in the show ring and they like set up their own chairs, and they're just like all huddled together, and then the junior board was up on this big like auction block thing, and it was just this huge production, and there's kids like fist pumping, yelling running around like crazy. And then the trade-off, they trade off their maroon jackets to like the retiring board members, give them to the board members that have just gotten elected. And that is, that gave me chills because I was picturing it too. And I had to get pictures for a story I was writing and following like the retiring board members through the crowd and watching them like hand off their jacket, to this newly elected person was just chills and everyone around them is crying and cheering and it is this just huge production of an event that is it's so awesome to see kids that fired up and that passionate about what they're doing
1: how disappointed are you that we didn't get jackets uh, on the njsa junior board
0: now I told I told Clay and Ellen. I was like, We need we could get American flag jackets. Like, oh my gosh. We need something. But
1: uh, I mean
0: it, it probably would have gotten a little hot wearing a jacket at Expo
1: or Louisville, know, yeah.
0: Or Louisville, but it still would have been cool. If
1: we would've looked flashy. All we need the jackets for are pictures. If we would have just had them for pictures.
0: Exactly. Bingo. We would have been so fly.
1: <laughs> no, I've got one more thing to ask you and then we can be – I don't know how much time you have. Um, oh, I don't I, know.
0: I don't know what the time limit is for this.
1: I don't really have a time limit. I just kind of go until I run out of things to ask you.
0: Okay. I mean I can talk forever, so you might have to just cut me off. <laughs> all right.
1: Perfect. Well, uh, here's here's one of my last things that I'm going to ask you. Being still in, still in school uh, – I'm still in school. We're, we're all around the same age. What are your new, what are your, what are you excited for, uh, for the future? Being like coming out of college in the, in the upcoming year, uh, coming into the industry right now, what are you excited about in the future? And this is a loaded question. I'm sorry. Oh, it's,
0: you know, it's a great question though. And, you know, on a personal level, it's a little bit scary because I'm trying to decide, oh, do I want to go to grad school? Do I want to try and find a job right away? You know what exactly am I going to do with my life? But just in terms of like a broader sense and where the future of this industry is headed, especially kids involved in the livestock and agricultural industry right now, should just be pumped for the opportunities that are being presented because we are in such a transformative time for where this industry is going to go in the next several years. And I know it can be a little bit daunting too right now because we obviously have a lot of people removed from the agricultural industry that don't necessarily understand what we do or why we do it. But that's why we should be excited because we have this opportunity to educate and to promote. And, you know, we always hear that stat, like we got to feed 9 billion people or whatever, but the technology that we're creating right now and the strides that we're taking forward we're going to do that. We're going to be prepared and we're going to get it done. And I guess what excites me about that is, you know, I'm an ag-com major, animal science minor, and I feel like I've grown up in this industry and have a background with it. And I absolutely want to be able to use my voice for the good of, you know, I say swine producers, because ideally I'd have a a job in pork production of some sort, but really just agricultural industry as a whole, being able to, help farmers and ranchers promote themselves and making sure that they have a voice in today's environment is so imperative to me and I remember Kylie Denise who you've had on before she I went to the elite pork intern summit at the national pork board two summers ago and we did this thing it's like my five-year strategic plan and she asked us all these really like deep thinking questions about what we wanted to do with our lives and I realized that I wanted to be able to help people that were hungry. So like start, I mean, obviously world hunger is a problem, but I also wanted to be able to help people that are trying to solve that problem. So like my ideal career, my dream goal is to be able to merge like not for profit organizations that are helping to end world hunger with like commodity groups and seeing those goals fulfilled of how are we going to feed people? How can we best allocate our resources to make sure that this industry is on the right path and we're making the world a better place, which I guess that's maybe a cheesy answer, but like that's what gets me out of the bed in the morning. Like, Hey, I can do this. Hopefully I'm going to have a role in this and be able to use my background, my experience in this industry to make the world a better place for everybody.
1: What? You can say that's a cheesy answer, but that's a hell of an answer. I mean, uh, that, that's <laughs> well, that's I a mean, great goal to have.
0: I mean, it's the truth. And I mean, people always ask me what I want to do. And with that goal, I'm kind of like, well, I don't know exactly what I want to do, but I could see myself, I guess, doing a lot of things. Maybe lobbying for the pork industry, making sure that, you know, our producers have access to all the resources that they need and that their rights as farmers and ranchers are protected. Or you know, whatever it may be. But in goal, I think for all of us right now in the agricultural industry should be to continue to make strides forward in a way that is going to promote the positive light of what's happening in this industry and that we're going to continue to feed the world.
1: I mean, that's the only way to go about it. And and on that question, kind of going off that, uh, how important do you think social media is to the education of everybody? I and not just us, but like the people that we were talking about that, that are kind of closed off from our uh, way of life and, and the way that we do things, how important is social media to educating them? Because for, from the outside looking in, it seems like everybody's just fighting on social media right now. I don't know how much of a difference you can make in uh, 240 characters, but what what's your thoughts on that?
0: Right, and I mean, I think that's love it or hate it or however you feel about social media, you're not going to get away from it in today's society. You You, And to be, you know, a successful organization or whatever you may be, you have to be able to utilize it, but utilize it appropriately. And I'm actually in a new media technology class right now, and this is what we discuss like every day. And the thing is, it used to be farmers could get up, go to the field, come home, go to bed, do the same thing the next day. And in today's society, they have to get up, go to the field, come home, share what they did, post about what they did, detail what they did, and then go to bed. Like, we have to be willing to make ourselves this transparent force that is willing to show that, hey, we are doing things the right way in the agricultural industry, and we're doing our best to provide for everyone And this is how we're going about it. And I will say, I mean, yes, social media can lend itself to a lot of arguments. I feel like you see a lot of bickering on there. and That's probably unavoidable just whenever you get that many opinions firing off at once. But another thing is, as agriculturalists or as a business, whatever, you have to realize that it's you have to respond to the good and the bad and be able to handle both of those things in a positive way. Because I feel like most of the time those issues are coming up or there's kind of like, there's extreme on both sides. There's people that are all the way for the agricultural industry or all the way against it. And then you have that clump that's called the movable middle where <laughs> they don't necessarily, they don't have the answers. They don't know what's going on. If anything, they're more eager to learn and they're being misinformed, so maybe that's moving them towards a more negative side. But that's where like, we have to come in as positive representations of what's going on in the livestock of the agricultural industry and be willing to speak out and interact with those people, answer their questions, and move them in, I guess, in our opinion, the right direction.
1: I would say that movable middle is almost the average consumer.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I
1: mean your average consumer I, – I work as a butcher at a grocery store – the average consumer comes up to me and to help me or to help them pick out a roast and they don't want any intermuscular fat in it because they've been told their all their lives that intermuscular fat or the fat the little white specks in the meat is bad. And I have to sit and talk with these people and say, No, like that's actually what gives it the flavor. You should you should do some research on this. But like that's the average consumer that you're talking about, that movable middle. That's those are the people that we need to be targeting.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, I go home and have, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or whatever with some of my family members who don't necessarily understand what's going on in the industry. And I would consider them an average consumer. And they're asking me questions about genetically modified organisms or, you know, this or that, whatever they see on social media. And they're asking me for clarification. Most of your average consumers, they just genuinely don't know, but they want to know. And that's where we need to be taking You know, initiative and taking advantage of that to the point where we're willing to promote everything that we're doing in a positive light. Because if we're not telling our story, someone else will, and they're probably going to tell it wrong. So
1: that just gave me chills. (laughs) Uh, Is that what you think we need to do as, as few, like as agriculturists, is just share every single thing that we're doing, Uh, either whether it be on a farm, in a show barn, or, or anything like that?
0: I mean, I think the more you share, the better. And even those nitty gritty parts that to us might seem not so great, there's still ways to be able to share what we're doing on the farm or whatever in the field and spin that in a positive light to where people can realize, you know, we're, we're people too and we are consuming the same things they are. And this is our livelihood And we're putting in all of our effort into making sure that we're contributing to a great livelihood. And we also are, you know, we're eating the same things as them and we're going to make sure that we're doing it the right way because we have to come back and provide for our own families as well.
1: That's the weirdest concept to me is that like people think that... uh, I don't know if people actually think this, but I bet some people do that we're that agriculturists or farmers are hiding a stash of good food that's not uh genetically modified that that won't give them uh whatever the people think it's going to give them. They they think we're just evil. No, we're we're literally consuming the same things on a daily basis that you are. We we're putting yeah. we're putting our mouths where our money is.
0: Yep. And I think just even if it's, if we're not sharing every single thing that we do individually, still sharing the facts and just helping people find the research that they're looking for. Because so many people think that, oh, like GMOs are linked to cancer or this or that is bad for you. Whenever there's no study the facts, there are no scientific studies or there's no proof that those things are true. If anything, it's the opposite that really what we're doing in the agricultural industry today, we are more efficient than ever. We're able to make more with less land and everything we have. America has the safest, most abundant food supply, and that's awesome. But I also think part of the problem then becomes now we, okay, now we have options. And I feel like whenever you get in a comfort zone, you start to question things, if that makes sense. And because people are so comfortable with our food supply in America, that's why they can start questioning or thinking, oh, well, I, I want to be non-GMO or I want, you know, free range or whatever. Whereas if you're in, if you're in a less fortunate country, you're just worried about where your next meal is coming from, not how it was raised per se. Exactly. And I think a lot of that just comes with, I mean, the privilege that is involved in this country and we now have to, I mean, it's a real problem. It's awesome. It's a good, almost a good problem to have exactly. because it is so safe and so abundant that now we just have to be able to kind of educate and move past these concepts of, oh, this is bad for us and realize that in reality, we're all in the same boat and we all want the same things in terms of, you know, a sustainable food supply and moving the industry forward in the right direction.
1: I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't think about is we're, we're born with a privilege that generations long before us have never had, haven't, haven't had close to having. Uh, so the fact that we're able to have this privilege, it's people are more willing to question things. And that's good. You, you should question everything that you do. If you're not questioning what you're eating, what you're doing, why you're doing it, then you're going through life wrong. It's just about getting the right education when you're asking those questions. And that's where people are going wrong.
0: Absolutely. And I mean, everyone, the thing to remember is everyone's entitled to their own opinion and you're not going to, your goal shouldn't be to change everyone's opinion, but more so just, you know, how are we going to make sure that we're satisfying everyone in today's marketplace? Because, you know, we all, it's almost like we all think we have to fight, oh, GMO, non-GMO or whatever. But in reality, those are still two sides of the agricultural industry, and everyone should be working together. We think that's like opposing teams, when in reality, that's just two sides of the same court. Exactly. And I think that's even a a problem that we're experiencing. I mean, now with plant-based meat, alternative protein sources, we're seeing... All these articles come up about how that's going to ruin the ranching industry. And I won't necessarily say one way or the other, but I do think that we have to remember, okay, our end goal is to feed the world. And if these are more options for food that are potentially going to do that, then is it really a bad thing or yes. is it just a new thing that we need to accept the challenge and learn how to market it the right way to make sure that everyone is getting a piece of the pie?
1: Yeah. And I want to preface this next statement by saying I am not an expert, <laughs> but I, I,
0: mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't
1: think that the plant-based uh, burgers and meat are going to just demolish the cattle industry. I think it'll make an impact. We'll, we will always need cattle. I, I think that's just a necessity. They're, they're so great for range uh, management, wildlife management, everything like that. I mean, they're, they're good for the ecosystem. Yeah, um, absolutely. But we're we're kind of on the same side. I mean, plant-based burgers, those plants are made by somebody and that and that farmer is most likely on our side. So, yeah. uh, it's and it's a weird thing. concept, but it's a new concept that we haven't had to deal with. yet.
0: And that's the th- I mean, everyone gets a little bit scared of change at first, but in the beef industry is never going to be replaced. You're never exactly going to be right. able to replicate the same eating quality or texture of a you know, a prime steak that's cooked the right way. And like, there's always going to be a place for meat. And then there's always going to be a place for other alternatives as well. And it's more so just how are we going to market that in the grocery store? How are we going to educate our consumers? And in reality, I don't see that playing a role to where it's detrimental to our more traditional forms of agriculture.
1: yeah I, th- I think you're right and I took a I took an entomology class last spring I think it was and it was an, it was an insects and culture class and we talked about like the effects that insects and like di- just plagues and disease have had on the culture throughout history and mm-hmm. an interesting that we talked about was uh, this new concept of uh, insect protein and raising insects for the humans to eat as a protein. Uh, Have you heard anything about this?
0: I Just a little bit, and I wouldn't, like I said, not an expert in any of this, but it's not in other cultures, you know, the world over. That's a protein source that they actually use. So it's not unheard of. And, again, as we strive towards how are we going to feed the world, how are we going to feed the growing population, These are the kind of innovative things, you know, we have to be willing, especially our generation. And like, it goes back to why kids that are graduating now and looking for jobs should be so excited. Like, you're in the generation to make a change and to make a real impact on where this industry is headed and how things are going to be for decades to come. Like, don't shy away from thinking outside the box and looking for something that's going to separate yourself or separate your company from the competition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Get excited. That like, that's, that's the message, honestly, like just get excited about the next 15 to 20 years. I mean, it's going to be sooner than that, but the next 20 years are going to be nuts for the agriculture industry. And I, I don't think there's anybody that can really predict what's going to happen. I know I sure can't, as we said, we're not experts. So but I just can't fathom what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it's unpredictable. It's going to be a whirlwind. Nobody can say exactly what's going to happen. And of course, there's going to be challenges to face. But if you're not excited about where this thing can go and the impact that our generation can have on it and how innovative we can be and how we can change things, then you probably need to find something else to be involved with. <laughs> exactly.
1: Exactly. Because... Well, yeah. I, ju- I mean, I just had uh, Travis Platt on last week and he said the first time he ever doesn't like raising pigs, he wants to get out of it. And I and I couldn't help but think like that's the way to go about what you're passionate about. the The day that you're not passionate about something, you probably should get out of it.
0: Yeah. I mean, for sure. That goes back to what we talked about earlier with how do I make the decision between, Oh, am I going to quit basketball or am I going to do livestock judging? And the way I see it is like, be all in or get all the way out because you should be 100%, 110% at whatever you're pursuing. And if that doesn't fire you up, then find something that does, because I'm sure it's out there.
1: Yes. Well, um, Damn, Adrian, I, I need to have you on again. We need to come up with other things to talk about. I can't come up with anything off the top of my head, but um, I think we could have some good conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah, this was <laughs> fun. I didn't even realize it's we've been on here for an hour and a half. I know.
1: I, I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I should probably let you go. I mean, it, we've been talking for a little while. Um, yeah, I know I'll my throat leave. hurts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I need, I need a drink or something. need some water, but... <laughs>
1: Well, Adrian, I, re- I really appreciate you taking time out of your day. I mean, you just said you you got done uh, judging and reasons practice. So thanks for sitting down and talking some more with me.
0: Yeah, no problem. It was a blast. I'm thankful you asked me. I was a little surprised. I'm honored to be on. It's awesome. Oh, I yeah. mean,
1: I love your family so much. I, I really oh. do. And I, I don't even know your family that well. But like we talked about, I mean, we there's a reason why I asked so much about your parents is because I, I respect them so much and I don't even know them that well just from and it's from second hand most of the time everybody's just saying the austins are such good people and i and i knew kane pretty well when we were on the board together i knew you adrian when you were in njsa and then running for the board so i mean yeah, you're I an mean, easy fit i don't know how kane would be on the podcast
0: <laughs> that's what we have a little bit different personality yeah. he's, he's a little harder to get out of his shell once he is out of his shell you better watch out but
1: <laughs> i might try to get him on my uh, callback episode i'll shoot him a text we'll see what we can do
0: yeah and i mean he he'd probably do a great job though seriously i think i
1: think he would too i mean it, yeah. kane's a, kind kane's kind of a shy and quiet guy until you give him, my, him a microphone and then he, yeah he, and then all he gets sudden, pretty comfortable
0: Look out! That's definitely his comfort zone. That's exactly. what we're talking about, though. Find your passion, and if that's your advantage, then go for it. But Bingo! Yep. Yeah. No, this was awesome. I'm glad you had me on. Thank you very much. I had fun.
1: No problem, Adrian. I'll talk to you later. Yep. See ya. Bye. Time's limited, so you must listen carefully. She is one hell of a competitor. Am I right, guys? Uh, the drive and passion that she has for uh, just trying to get outreach into the common consumer, or people that don't really know a lot about agriculture. She's got a lot of passion and drive for, for doing that and for trying to set people straight on what we're doing in this industry and why we're doing it, and I think that's awesome. Uh, and she does a lot with, with youth and youth organizations. She said she's on the, she just got off the NJSA junior board. Uh, so, I mean, she's, she's kicking butt, guys, and, and I wish that I was doing as much as she is, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm kind of jealous that she's living in uh, kind of that part of the world where she can be involved in all that stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm a little secluded here in Arizona, but I'm going to try to reach out and do some more uh, because honestly, just talking to Adrienne, she just inspired me to, to be better and do more in this industry because th- I think that we can all do more in this industry. Let me, um, I'll get you her Instagram. I said that I was going to get you her Instagram at, and it's Austin underscore Adrian three. And then Facebook, it's just Adrian Austin. So go shoot her a follow, um, add her as a friend. I'm sure she won't mind. Adrian. if you're listening, I'm sure you won't mind. You'll be all right. Um, a few more followers won't hurt. So go follow her, uh, and then uh, tune in next week for my newest episode. Tune in Monday for the callback uh, for Adrian's episode. And as I said, I might have a guest. I might not. We'll see. I uh, just kind of play it by ear and, and – try to do it. So, um, I like to wing the little callback episode if you guys haven't realized. So, all right, tune in Monday and I will talk to you guys later. Like, subscribe, share. Love ya.